Welcome to episode 775 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 775 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. Doing a yawn. You're doing a yawn. Bit of a yawn to start the show. Start on a positive note. <laughs> Misty morning out there. You can't even see the city, can you? You can't. Today's weather report, sunny at Bevan's place, foggy everywhere else. Could I say John Newsom's had another haircut? Have I? I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. You've had a haircut in a couple of weeks. Well, it's grown out a little bit because when I first got it, I wasn't particularly happy. Too short? Yeah. Never happy if too short. Mm. Never happy. Oh, I'm talking proudly brought to our patrons. You go first, Jombo. Liz Elastigirl of uh, Hayden. Nice work. We've got Simon the Official Marshall. Melissa Bigfoot Erie. And then Andy Bigfoot, a Big Mac. McMillan. Bigfoot and Big Mac. Oh, there are lots of bigs happening this week. On this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. With Jackie Herring. Uh, great interview. She's a bit of a character. Uh, Coach's Corner is not happening. It's not no, okay because you've got if time, if time, but we've got plenty of time. Wang of the week questions and answers at the end. Okay, so we had we've been away for a couple of weeks, and uh, now I do have to apologise for the last show. Yes, because it was a total disaster from my editing, mm-hmm. and it was totally me. I take ownership for it. Zoom just messed me around. You, you struggle with Zoom sometimes, but well, we, we recorded the whole show on Zoom, and it just. I don't know, and then I went back and edited again, and in the end, I couldn't even fix the bit. There was it was I, the the last edit. I think I'm missing in parts of it, mm-hmm. in the last bit. But it was the interview of Max was fine. But I'm sorry for that because it was totally my fault. But uh, I mean, Ken's happened along, and uh, I think our interview made him win the race. It did indeed. I was uh, at the time I said. Come on, Mike Phillips, and you can get back in that winner's circle. And he couldn't. He was down fifth place. Max Newman, Newman dominated the dojo. Sub eight. Sub eight. Swam 43.53, which had him second place out of the swim uh, by just a couple of seconds. Um, we're about 30. And then he was 4.26 on the bike, which, which is, is the, the fastest. fastest. Yeah. And then a 2.43 on the run, which was also the fastest win by seven and a half minutes. Complete performance. Second, first, first. Mm. That's a triathlon. Yeah. And Tim Burkle was second, Josh Amberg third, Simon Hearn fourth, Mike Phillips fifth. Um, Max Newman, you will have heard last week, was commenting that, you know, the points, he didn't really know the system, didn't like it that much, um, but he, because he'd had some good races and hadn't scored great points, this time around he got 97.37 points, so that's rocketed him up the rankings. So is he in the top four now? Uh, he is, I'm not going to go to that page yet, because I've got a couple of other things open. But he's no, I've got it here actually, so I he's think in he, the internationals. He is, I think okay. he, he's right. Yes, in the he's max. number four. So currently, in the, the, the international's not a bad team now. You've got Lionel, mm-hmm. Saint, um, Curry, yep. Appleton, and Newman. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good team. Yeah. You know, the, the, the current wins cut off. Can't be far away. 
I've got no idea. I can't remember. We are going to have an interview sometime soon with uh, the PTO. I was just jacking that up uh, and just sort of go through the rankings um, and go through how the points are actually scored because it's not a complete mystery. We've had Torsten on before, and I think you know I've got a fairly good grasp of how it, how it works. I'm not saying it's 100% right, but I think it's pretty good. COVID's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works, but we'll we'll talk about points in the next couple of weeks. So that was the boys' side of it, and the girls' side of it. I thought uh, Amelia Watkinson was going to Dominic crush Dugan. it um, and she did, she had a pretty steady race but she got crushed Whoa. by a how about that swim smoking fast run so Kylie Simpson who hasn't done a great deal before and that's not being mean like she did the race last year and I think she was about fifth or so so give you a little bit of rundown with Kylie um, 38 Simpson. years old 38 She's a bit of a whippet. She's only 54 kgs and 165 centimetres tall. So in 2020, she got fourth at this race uh, and she got ninth at Sunshine Coast, um, 70.3. This season so far, she's had a, a third at the Hell of the West Triathlon um, and a 13th at the Husky Ultimate. So she's always running up an absolute storm and swimming probably a little bit of a well, listen to this. So in this race, she did a 109 in the swim, 109, a 458 bike, and then a 253 run. It's an outstanding that run. That is stellar. Um, I would say Amelia Watkinson's probably not going to be stoked with a 313. I do believe the conditions were pretty tough. Um, so still a good day at the office for her, but when you're getting run down by 20 minutes, uh, that when that pass happens... It's going to be quite a quick pass. So, so does Kylie's run even more impressive than what that time says? Because when we look at the run times, now this maybe I don't know the depth of the field, but basically all the girls with the second fastest run was three thirteen. So she was twenty minutes faster than second fastest, and then it basically when it goes out to three twenty. Now, admittedly, maybe the depth of the field isn't huge, but that's to then pull off a, a, if it's a pretty tough day, she pulls off a two fifty three. That's pretty phenomenal. It's an exceptional run in what was hot conditions. The the boys did run pretty well as well. Max Newman two forty three, Tim Van Berkel two forty six. But a two fifty three is better than a two forty three. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so yeah, it is. It's an amazing run. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's and she comes from a running background, but still, how cool is that? You get out of the water <laughs> one nine one one oh nine for the swim. So she is. Uh, 19 minutes behind the first person out of the swim, but then she... And even off the bike, because she was only um, she was actually slower off the bike as well. So off the bike, she's like 22 minutes behind. Mm-hmm. Coming on to win the race. Yeah. That's a good effort, that is. It is. So nice work, Ironman Cairns. Uh, shame I don't think the Melbourne athletes were able to make it up there. So oh, of course, Chloe Lane was third. Chloe Lane was third. Penny Slater fourth and Renee Kylie in fifth place. Uh, at the weekend, we uh, Elton Dorney, PTO. Eton Dorney. Eton Dorney's uh, supported race by the PTO. It was a 1.8, 60-15K race. What happened there, John? Lucy Charles backed up from her um, yeah, World Triathlon debut. Uh, she won that in front of Lucy Hall and Nikki Bartlett. And then on the boys' side, Tom Davis took it out in front of Leon Chevalier and James Teagle with Joe Skipper down in fifth, fifth place. Joe was actually quite happy with his um, performance um, in terms of his run because uh, he's sort of struggled with running in the short distance races in the 70.3 so get on you Joe we are going to be talking about uh, Lucy Charles later on in the news but next up Iron Cowboy does finish his 100 Ironmans in 100 day he actually did 101 why, why, would, why not 
Why not? Take one on. His goal was to uh, fundraise $250,000 for Operational Underground Railroad, which is a non-profit focusing on fighting human sex trafficking, which is just crazy that happens. Uh, He was doing a Utah scenery, looked pretty amazing in the pool, John. It did. So he's doing it in his hometown, swimming in the same pool every day, and then... uh, The same bike every day? I was looking, I just had a, and, and you guys that followed this um, will know a lot more than I did. I did a quick scan over. I think he biked either the same route most days or one or one of two. Bike times were pretty solid. So what, so I have no, I've not kept my own this at all. No. What kind of time was he taking to do an Ironman? Um, I haven't tallied it up completely. But, but average? Um, well, he was, he was typically biking between five and a half and six hours, sometimes slower, yeah. um, but that's pretty decent going. So, now so the, it was about a 13-hour day? Uh, the run was particularly slow. Okay. Like it, it looked like the run was often a walk, uh, you know, going sort of nine to ten minute Ks. Now, I did not look at every single day, so if you're jumping yeah. up and down going he was doing really well, most of the runs that I looked at, yeah. he was around about that pace, you know, sort of five and a half oh, to six. And, and hey, you do 100 days. Yeah. No, we're not being critical. No, but that's that was just the reality. The, the runs that I looked at were between five and six hours. Um, the, the, the swim, I think he was going about two minutes per 100. Um, so he's probably in there for, for an hour and a half or so, um, maybe a little bit more. And then so six, 12, 13, yeah, 13 to, 13 to 15 hours, I guess. He's a big unit too. Yeah, he's solid. You know, he's a good, strong-looking man. i say, it looks spectacular. So he was doing it in Utah, and he had a few pictures of him coming out of the swim. It was an outdoor pool. The backdrop looked amazing. So good on him. That's just insane. 100 Ironmans, or 101 Ironmans in 101 days. I did see a little um, post that he put on day 102 or 103. So he was completely smoked. He, he sounded like he was going okay, and then the first day off, he had brain fog, and he was just out of the zone and was completely wiped out. Um, I wonder if they, they science the crap out of him. Well, I think he was, he was off to go and get some tests done um, afterwards. Because so. it'd be interesting. What a feat of human endurance. Mm. Like, absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, I'm kind of curious to see, like a, like a good sports scientist, to kind of learn from that would be pretty interesting because it would be some amazing insights. Okay, next up, we're talking about the inaugural Collins Cup secures unprecedented multi-platform live coverage across Europe through a partnership with Discovery. This is massive. Eurosports to screen exclusive live and on-demand action to millions of viewers across that makes more than 60 markets. Agreements include live and highlight across Asia Pacific and India, plus the distribution of PTOs beyond human documentary via Eurosports and Discovery+. Plus. This is a good move, isn't it? It is. Uh, so if you're Outside of Europe, Eurosport is massive, um, and as is Discovery Channel. So, and I imagine Discovery will put it in America. Yeah, at least so it's going to be good. Everything, every little step seems to be heading in the right direction. I did yesterday have a quick think about where the Collins Cup fits in the season, and you know, because a lot of athletes will be prioritising seventy point three worlds in Kona, it actually fits in pretty much perfectly. So Collins Cup is August the twenty eighth, and then the seventy point three worlds are the seventeenth and eighteenth of September. So you kind of got um, <clears throat> you know two or three weeks to, to get yourself right for that. So you will be in sort of peak condition, and then Kona is another sort of three or four weeks after that on October the 9th. So. So, yeah, it's all you, looking good. Do you think long-term it always has to be at that time? Absolutely. No, I think it's, it's perfect timing. Because you're going to get people on peak, aren't you? And you're going to get people at peak, and you're going to get people that still want to do the 70.3 Worlds. So I think it sort of flows on really nicely. Um, also worth noting that a few of the um, World Triathlon, I've got to stop saying ITU. Uh, well, you stop writing it down then. <coughs> I know. Yeah. 
a few of the um, World Triathlon races have been cancelled, uh, late season races, so that might bring a few more of the short course athletes that are doing the Olympics and going, well, there's not really Olympic distance racing for the rest of the season in terms of point scoring opportunities, so I might try to make this Collins Cup team. It will mean they need to do have done a 70.3 and be highly ranked, but um, it brings a couple of those players into, into the game, potentially. Mm. Mm. Funny old year, though, obviously. Yeah, this year is a bit unique, let's put it that way. Uh, exciting, but it's, I'm, really, I'm actually really looking forward to Collins Cup, and it's going to come around pretty soon because we're going to have the Olympics coming up soon, and then Collins Cup's pretty much after that. So yeah. it's a good time for triathlon, isn't it? It is, and this weekend coming up, there's a Des Moines 70.3. You'll hear later on uh, in the show, Jackie Herring is uh, up there racing, and it's a good, solid females field with Jackie Herring, Emma Pallant, Jenny Metzler, Paula Finland, Holly Lawrence. They're five of the best 70.3 athletes in the world all lining up and the boys field's pretty solid as well with Rudy Von Berg, Sam Appleton, Matt Hansen, Joe Gambles amongst others so uh, good times good luck if you're racing Des Moines 70.3. Coeur is going to be is it Coeur It's a weekend after yep Coeur okay. And then we've got a few non-Ironman branded races coming up as well John Boo. We have um, we've got the Grim Extreme which is in Germany. Uh, we've got the Monvoria Man and probably a, a, one that resonates with a few more people of our British listeners. The Lakes Man is on this weekend, which they have a half and a full. Um, it's up in the Lake District, uh, nice and scenic and some really tough little grunty climbs around that part of the world. So good luck if you are doing the Lakes Man. Okay, so we went away, or I went away on holiday, so we pre-recorded and I cocked up the show, but... Uh, <laughs> but, but, but um, there was a race coming up that we were pretty excited about and A, it was a good World Cup race, World Triathlon race coming up um, in Leeds, but it seemed like it delivered. It did deliver. So let's talk about the females race first because going into the race, Lucy Charles, we were like, uh, she's, you know, if she can have a good swim bike, there's a chance. Um, but realistically, we were thinking, you know, she probably wouldn't be much well, no, of a I, th- I, th- I thought she, I think I predicted she was going to get like sixth or seventh or something like that. So I'm going to. Well, it's on record, so I'm sure if you're. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this. I said there'll be a breakaway on the bike. Um, one thing I didn't factor in was there was a hill coming out of transition. And that was her, unfortunately, her downfall as she got dropped from the front three. So In the run? In the, in the bike, at the start of the bike. So Lucy Charles had a massive impact on the race. Uh, for those of you, a lot of you will have watched it. Really impacted the swim and caused a breakaway, which I thought would happen. However, that breakaway then split into two groups of uh, three or four. So she wasn't strong enough on the hill? They gun it up that yeah, hill. she's a beast so on the bike. She is a beast on the bike, but they come out of the swim and she probably wasn't quite as quick as she should have been through transition. Okay. And then they just gunned it up that hill, three of them, and she she missed that and her bike handling skills, and fr- she freely admits it, it's not a criticism. Yep. She goes, it's just a fact. They, they weren't up to scratch and that meant that she just got dropped from that group and she made her own luck, you know. Then the, the second group formed and Flora Duffy rode up to them and so that was lucky because otherwise they probably would have got swallowed up by the, the main pack but then Flora Duffy came across so she got lucky and uh, and she ran better than I thought she would. She ran 35.07 compared to the fastest run spill of the day which is Flora Duffy 33.47. I thought she'd be a couple of minutes off so she's probably 30 to 60 seconds quicker than what I thought she'd be. Um, she, it was really solid uh, and especially when she had next to no notice of the race just kind of rocked up. Her bike handling is terrible, um, she admits it, um, and so there's plenty of room for improvement. So, you know, if but, it comes... But are we going to see more of her in this type of racing? I hope so, because she could, she could do really, really well. You know, there's, there's still plenty of room for improvement on her run, and this massive improvement on her bike. Yeah, but, but, but where's the focus of her career? 
she's still young enough to do both I reckon go for the next Olympics and then uh, which is what some people are questioning whether she should do that or not it's still bloody hard to make that the, poms. Uh, the British team now she was the third pom in the race so Jess, um, Jessica Lemoth and uh, Sophie Caldwell beat her yep, so she, she needs to and she Beth Potter, Potter not far behind her she needs to be basically having a breakaway on the bike and the way the female's racing going is that that's happening at the moment but if she rocked up to another race and it just comes down to a running event then she's still good but she's probably going to get outrun by quite a few people so it was a very impressive debut with no specific preparation oh, yeah. so good on her and just overall it was great racing Maya Kingma took it out she's um, had a pretty amazing start to the year uh, and she's now leading the series when you wouldn't have given her a chance of maybe being in the top 10 so that's pretty impressive uh, and I'm ex- very excited to see Flora Duffy smoke it she just she didn't have the luck she got dropped um, but a little bit in the swim she was the first loser in the swim and uh, but then she rode up and she is the one to beat for Tokyo if Tokyo happens okay men's race well what do you reckon prediction yes or no well, a while ago I was saying definitely not but it just seems like they're digging their heels in I still think it's a stupid decision oh, I think it's a stupid idea but I'm going to love it when it's on uh, it's not going to be the same oh you're going to love it come on it's, it's the Olympics it's not going to be any crowds so it's just going to yeah, be yeah but Rio had no crowds yeah okay you know I'm still watching it uh, the men's race Alex Yee he's, he's a favourite now isn't he yeah, this is, this is one race, and he absolutely he got it right on the day that he needed to get it right, and he just caned everybody. So that was pretty impressive. He's the fastest runner on paper, but I think this race proves is, it. It proves it, but I don't think he's as far in front as this race showed. I think he just got it right on on the day. So why? And then well, I think a lot of the other runners, in terms of like the likes of Hayden Wild, Christian Blumenfeld, Yelly Greens, and things like that. Yes, Alex Yee is quicker than them, but I think when they're all in peak condition, everyone's firing on the right uh, cylinders on the right day, then I think it's closer. Alex Yee is still the fastest runner um, on the right day, but I think the others will be a lot closer. Say, come the Olympics, I don't think it'll be... another five, six weeks. Yeah, I don't think it'll be one-way traffic at the Olympics. Um, But it was great. You know, he just absolutely controlled it and owned it and, and was looking good on the bike and Brownlee's completely... No no breakaways? Uh, there was a few attempted breakaways um, and there was a lead group that um, threatened to stay away but they just didn't quite have the firepower and there was some highly motivated people in the second group. Brownlee got disqualified but how would have he gone if he wasn't disqualified? Uh, no, he was, he was, he's got an ankle injury and he was, uh, was going to be out the back door straight away. Well, he okay. was out the back door. He, he did carry on but he was um, <clears throat> yeah, just going backwards at the rate of knots. So if, if those of you that haven't seen it, and we don't want this to be the lead story because the lead story should be Alex G caning it. Yep. But Alistair Brownlee got disqualified and rightly he should actually get a ban. Oh, really? Uh, he, he dunked a guy badly in oh, the really? swim. And it's not just giving it. somebody a whack. Like he actually stopped, pushed the guy under and held him under. Really? It was a shocker, a real shocker. Wow. Uh, and I got caught on camera and he got disqualified and rightly so because, you know, the swim is a contact sport. Oh, but it's also it's pretty risky. But it's not uh, It's not going and dunking people. So shame on you, Alistair Brownlee. 
oh, that's, that's really not good. Mm. Um, like, it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with Olympic qualifying. I think the, the Brits now with uh, Yi, he is uh, dead set, going to get that second spot. The US woman is going to be fascinating because you're probably not going to have Katie Zaveras, who pre-COVID was just reigning supreme and just killing everybody at, at uh, the short course racing, whether it be Super League or, or ITU, and chances are she's probably not going to get selected, which is a real shame. Um, Australia have qualified, th- uh, I think they're the only country that have qualified three males and three females, so good on them. Um, we've still got questions um, to be asked about our New Zealand team, both on the men's and the women's side, and uh, and yeah, it's just going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks with all the team selections coming out and protests and court cases and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Okay, question for you, John. Two questions. Uh, Hayden Wild, how are you feeling? Well, if, for those that didn't watch the race, you're thinking he's dead set going to get a second. He was running comfortably in second and then detonated on the final lap. Oh, did he? Uh, so he went from second to fifth. So I think that's actually a good thing because it's going to fire him up a bit more and for him to be in peak condition in and he hasn't been five racing, weeks' time. Like I know he's been doing running racing, but he hasn't triathlon yeah, race. Yeah, this is his first triathlon. So he was still pretty pleased. Fifth is still awesome. You know, yeah. he's still very inexperienced at this sort of racing. So fifth was was great. However, it looked like he was going to be a shoo-in for second place. And, um, and but he, great racing. He had a good swim. He rode across the group by himself on the bike and uh, and was looking awesome for 8K of the run. So I still think he's, uh, he's a good chance for Tokyo. Okay, next question. How do these guys train in the next five weeks? Well, I th- that's an, an interesting question. I love questions, you know me. But what's interesting I'm finding is this... A number of people that, from coming out of COVID, are just completely not the same athletes. Really? Um, whether maybe they got COVID, maybe they've got a training plan that is just solely focused on the Olympics. Um, maybe maybe they've had a perspective of maybe this isn't as important. Yeah, or they're just a, an extra year or two older. Yeah. Um, so there's several athletes that are, that are that are not firing, and, and I find that interesting in terms of the training. These guys need to be probably trying to race themselves into shape for some of them, the ones that haven't done much racing. Um, but most of them will just carry on, I'd imagine, doing whatever racing they can between now and then to, to get themselves into shape, whether it be any World Cup races, French Grand Prix, whatever you can get your hands on. Because um, history kind of tells us from memory that you kind of need to be about now competitive, maybe not winning races, yep. um, but you need to be, have some momentum um, leading into the Olympics. So I think we, there's no more World Triathlon Series races or you know big, big events, um, but I'm sure there'll be lots of races that we don't sort of hear about coming out of Europe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as I said earlier in the show, a few of the ITU World Triathlon events have been cancelled. The Edmonton, the Grand Final has been cancelled, along with uh, the, the WTCS race in Hamburg. So the series is kind of in disarray, um, but we may have the Olympics. We may have the Olympics. Well, I'm thinking we are, John, but more importantly, we, we've got this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was, who would you want your flag bearer to be from your country uh, I think we said triathlon focus, didn't we? Yep. yep. So can be can be of all of all time. And I've got to say, Bevan, I'm disappointed in the listeners. Okay. Di- I'm disappointed in you all. It, I was I was It wasn't the greatest question, John. Well, I was pe- hoping we were gonna get enlightened by especially some of the smaller oh, nations. Answers. Yeah, but most of them are piss takes. Okay. Um <laughs> Chuck so, so I was I was generally disappointed. Okay, well I'll go to uh, Dylan Evanson. And the piss take ones, I'm not even gonna mention you. Oh come you on, just, you could have a laugh. 
You ever laugh? Uh, he's going to say, gee, he's gone all out. Uh, so he's from Canada, so he's got Simon Woodfield, two-time Olympic medals. Great guy, wonderful ambassador for the sport from Who did Canada. You say? Uh, Simon Woodfield. Woodfield. Yeah. Uh, second one would be Peter Reid, in my opinion. He is the greatest Canadian triathlete of all time. Well, it's an interesting discussion. Surely Woodfield? It's an interesting discussion, Bevan. Um, one's great at Olympic distance, one's great at Ironman. <clears throat> Neither really did the other. And the third is Paula Finlay. She has numerous ITU wins in her career, but most dramatic moment was not her wins, but her loss in London. She was injured, suffering anemia, but was unwilling to pull out, and she knew what she was going to lose. She completely completed the race anyways because she wasn't willing to do a DNF. So he's got more depth here if you want to read further into that. Uh, Kenneth uh, Henney says, David McNamee, because he's Scottish. Paula, um, Paul, sorry, I'm going to say Dubert, has got um, Porat Asif f- uh, from Israel Triathlon. This uh, is great. Get, you make sure you give him a bit of love because I wanted to hear from these countries like Israel, countries that I don't know anything about the athletes and they're giving them some love. So carry on, Bevan. Okay, well, he's got in the land of Israel. He is a top 10 performer in all distances and ambassador for the sport, beloved by all here in Israel, pro caliber as an age grouper, a superstar. And actually, Porat, uh, I think it's Porat, actually came on and said, well, thank you so much for my friend. I hope you are to follow your path to Kona one day. So it's a bit of, bit of love both ways. Petra Acha is uh, pulling me up, which is I have no problem with. Apparently the IAAF, if you don't know what the IAAF is, it's the International Athletics Association Federation or something like that. Actually, I don't even know. But it's basically the, the International Athletics um, Organization. They've changed their name as well in 2019, so they're World Athletics. So now we're World Triathlon. Oh, it's like, IAAF, I'd love something. No, anyway. I wonder why so, that happens. Some marketing guy goes, oh, people don't understand ITU. Yeah. <laughs> World triathlon. Give me a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mental. Miss, Melissa Uri, this is a great one. Uh, Emma Snowstall, she was incredible when she was at the top of her game. Well, Swanee, you know you're not going to like this. If he's going, then I would go for Craig Kirkwood. Be a bit cool making a coach of both triathlete as well as a 1500 meter on a flag bearer, but I think it would be accepted, accepted by the New Zealand public. And then, like, there's a few people to have a discussion around this. Craig Kirkwood says, Swanee, I'm not even gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Cam Lee uh, says, Nicole Spirig, best Olympic distance ever. So she's Swiss, so I would say she would definitely be carrying the Swiss flag. Although, having said that, you have got the inaugural Olympic gold champion from Sydney. Slight. I like to inject things into myself. Problem there. What was her name? Um... Bridget McMahon. But she didn't get the band, did she? She got caught after the Olympics mm. in a later race, didn't she? Yeah. Mm. Uh, John Weir's got uh, Mark and Dave can carry it together for nine tens of the way until Mark finally runs off with the flag. Uh, and he says, no one advocating for Welchie. Uh, Matt Peters says, Emma Carney deserved her so- slot and was denied by politics. Uh, Leonard Sandon's got Lisa Norton, uh, the only international star we have. Andreas Wolfs, and this is an easy one for Germany, Jan Fredino. Easy. Joseph uh, Mohul has got Alistair Brownlee, proving JB still rules the waves. Well, it turns out he beasts the waves. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I've got, Bevan. Um, Did you do Joanne Love? She's got Inukami. I've got, Best yes, tri- did that. Australia's ever seen. Yep. Who would you go? New Zealand. So We've only New got one option, haven't we? 
you can't, well, Ross Capel put a mention in there. He was he was saying, and he's, Ross has been around for a long time. He's a technical official, does lots of the technical officiating for New Zealand. He was very much saying Erin Baker, you know. She, obviously, she hasn't oh, got an Olympic oh, yeah. medal. She uh, would have. But she, if it had been in that sort of time. 88? Probably would have. Seoul, you reckon she would have won an Olympic medal in 88? Yep. Yep, you would think so. She would be one of the ones. Definitely. Yeah. So um, that would be on the female side. And then, yeah, you'd probably... Yeah, you'd have to go Hamish Carter on the male side. A couple of other countries I looked at, uh, US woman, that was going to be a bit, um, you'd probably have to go Gwen Jorgensen. Obviously, she's an Olympic gold medalist and she dominated the sport only for a short period of time. You have got other American women who've done some amazing things. Didn't re- uh, and when you go American guys. Wait a second, aren't you in New Zealand? I was, but I've got, because our audience hasn't really come to the party on this, I've got to do some other you, countries. You go, okay. The New Zealand's pretty straightforward. I was more intrigued on the the other countries. Well, you could go. Do you go Bevan? Bevan Doherty. He was a world champion, two time Olympic medalist, but he didn't get the gold. Hamish got the gold, but he got a world championship, and Hamish didn't get a world championship. So I kind of think you'd probably. Who's go career, but now. whose career do you want? If you could live either career, which one would you want? Hamish Carter probably won more races. I'd say. I don't know. Bevan won quite a bit. He got the gold, mm. and Bevan did Ironman as well. Yeah, funny. Ironman it was a funny Ironman career. Mm. Um, if you go Jorgensen for the States, you probably go Mark Allen on the boys' side. South Africa, you have a toss-up between Richard Murray. He hasn't really Why'd won. Why'd you pick South Africa? Well, I'm just trying to pick some countries where I was uh, – uh, our South African audience, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, you might go South Richard Africa. Murray um, or you might go Conrad Stoltz, who was also a, a bit of a trailblazer for, um, for your country. France, French listeners, disappointed in you as well. Didn't have anything. That's because France is one of those countries that consistently produces very good athletes, yep. but often not winning athletes that just dominate and crush for, for long uh, periods. There's a Louis, he's French, isn't he? Vincent Louis? Yeah. Uh, good point. Who's <laughs> 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 dominated the sport quite recently? He would probably be uh, your pick. But I had down Isabelle Mouton, who was from the 80s and probably more than 90s. Uh, hey, John, the, what about Portugal? Yeah. Portugal, Vanessa Fernandez. <laughs> what about Japan? Japan was a tricky one. <laughs> Japanese listeners, I'm disappointed in you as well. <laughs> Probably don't understand a word we say, but there was a guy called Takumi Obara, or the recent stocks. I mean, uh, uh, Uday and Eri. I be remember when I was doing news. I mean, New Zealand. Can't believe like, I didn't think of uh, Vincent <laughs> Louis. They have got. They've got so many good athletes, and if you take him out, <laughs> they've got lots of good athletes that aren't necessarily winning that much. Okay, I, I actually reckon your second one's better discussion for this week. So, because I'm pretty sure we've done that one recently. So, if the Olympics changed the format for triathlon, what distance would you want the format to be? So that's that's what we're asking for this week's discussion. John, we're going to interview. We have uh, Jackie Herring is coming your way. Here she is. Righto team, um, today we have Jackie Herring on the show, she's currently ranked 18th on the PTO rankings, uh, she got third at, uh, awesome third at Challenge Miami which was one of those events around the car racetracks, um, pre-COVID she had three 70.3 wins in 2019 and another two podiums in that season, uh, she's a mum, a coach, she's also an event director as well, so very multi-talented, so welcome along to the show Jackie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, give us, um, for people who don't, don't know you, uh, give us like your one-minute life history, you know, in terms of pre, pre-triathlon and, and where life was heading before you got into this uh, crazy adventure. Oh, one minute. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I live in Wisconsin. I'm born and raised and went to college here and 
grew up a swimmer and swam a bit in college and then actually was also a runner, ran a bit, um, and was never really super great at any of those activities. I just always loved working out and just kind of started do, doing triathlon and just kind of followed this path of a normal age grouper and just found that I was doing well and progressed um, into being a pro. And that was around way back in the olden days of 2011. So that was when I became a pro. And since then, I um, did a bunch of Ironmans and had a couple children. And since having kids have kind of found my groove um, in the half Ironman distance. Just just for someone who was, you know, a, a fit person who loved the exercise and, you know, stuck at it and did really well, but then to, you probably never thought you were going to be a professional athlete. So what was it like to keep that moment where it was like, wow, I can actually make a, well, at least money or, or be seen as a pro in a sport. Was that something that was an aspiration you had or was it kind of just appeared and what was it like when that happened? It was, it was never really a thought that I had. Um, Cause, cause I wasn't really great. I mean, I didn't even make like our national team for in college at a D three school. So I was never, you know, I was never an exceptional athlete. So yeah, it wasn't anything that was on my mind, but um, apparently when you add together multiple activities, I'm better at it. So when it came, when it came time that, that I qualified to be pro, which actually happened in my very first half fireman I did, but then I waited, I didn't feel any confidence. So I waited a couple of years after that. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't feel like a big deal. I kept my job that I had at the time and I just kept, I was just a pro, but also had a job. So I was kind of a halfway pro, um, which I think shows in my results. It wasn't until I kind of realized that I needed to let some, some other things go that I think I actually kind of started to become a little bit better. So what was your, what was your job? I was, um, a pharmaceutical chemist, uh, straight out of college. I was, um, I don't know, cause can't pretty boring job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to go to work every single day and, and be really, really careful is what it mainly was. <laughs> um, now you, you mentioned before, you've kind of taken a, a non-traditional path to where you're at now. You know, often we see athletes doing, you know, maybe they do Olympic distance and do some ITU stuff and then they do half Ironman and then they go to Ironman. You can kind of seem to have done the complete reverse where you've gone Ironman and then you've actually gone to half Ironman. Was that more to do with, with having kids or was that more you just preferred that difference distance? So what, what was the rationale there? Well, in the beginning, I think I was quickly mesmerized by the allure of just the challenge of the full distance Ironman. I think like a lot of people are, I, um, I had done maybe one or two open marathons at the time. And I think just the idea of doing the marathon after doing all that other stuff just seemed like such a great challenge. And I think that's what hooked me in. And then I just did so many of them. I did maybe like 24 Ironmans in a matter of, I don't know, four or five years or so. And I just really, I think I just did enough that now I don't need, I don't feel like I got anything to prove on that anymore. I'm kind of just over it. 
And so then you just <laughs> made the decision to go 70.3 only? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's partially, it's partially that. And then partially just the lifestyle of having two little kids right now that I just, for the way our, you know, my husband's job is and the way that we have everything set up in our life, I think it would just be too taxing um, on, on our whole situation for me to try and train or do an Ironman right now. You talked earlier a little bit about how having children uh, almost made you a better athlete. So, so how does the management of being a mother and a pro athlete um, work? And why do you feel there was a good transition for your life that actually made you maybe perform better as an athlete? Well, I think, I think it works well for me because I'm pretty easy. I don't know. I don't want to say I'm easygoing, but I am kind of um, easygoing, I guess. And, and I don't overanalyze. I don't overthink it. And I think, you know, with, with our current life, with having, having little kids, I think it bodes well to that type of mindset where when windows open up to work out, I'm, I'm ready to go and I can go do a session and I don't have to have perfect conditions or perfect setup or perfect nutrition right before I can just go do it anyways. And, and I think that kind of stays with me uh, when you get in the race and in racing scenarios, when things aren't really going perfectly, or maybe the lead in wasn't perfect. I can kind of push that out of my mind and, and just go with and go do the best that I can with what I got. And I think, yeah, that's kind of how I work as a mom athlete, I guess. So, so it's almost like you see an opportunity, you jump on it and you think, well, bugger it, I've got this time and I'm going to make the most of it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a fairly typical week? Like are you coached or do you just sort of do your own thing? And the age groupers and listeners always love to know what the pros are doing. So what sort of a, a typical week look like for you? So yeah, my, I, I have not had a coach um, for a long time actually. And every year during the winter, I kind of think about getting a coach because I feel that maybe it would be good, but Honestly, it, it stresses me out a little bit to have, have a coach. So <laughs> I just got to go with it. But I, I am um, a pretty much a creature of habit and routine. So a normal week looks like my kids go to childcare. Um, well, one is, was in preschool. I have a three and a five-year-old. They go to daycare Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so on those days, I usually drop them off, head to the pool for a swim, and then eat some food, have a bike ride, have a run. <laughs> um, most days, kind of just filled with exercise on those three days. Those are my bigger days. And then um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I get up and work out early uh, before my husband goes to work. And then I have the kids all day. And I'll do sometimes something in the evening Tuesday, well, one of those Tuesday or Thursday nights, and then the other day is kind of like an easy recovery day. And then the weekends, one day I'll usually take as a off or easy day, just have a family day. And then the other day, I don't know, usually a longer run earlier in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, family definitely takes the the priority role on the schedule for me, but um, but also – I, I get all my workouts in 
I, I think I read you do did a bit of shoe snow, uh, show, snow shoeing <laughs> over winter. Um, you can't and, even say it. You don't even. <laughs> you don't even have snow. We don't have snow. It doesn't. Well, it's, on, no, it's on the mountains, but we, you have to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I snowshoe a ton in the winter. Do you think that's beneficial, or is it just sort of keeps the fitness up? It's it's extremely beneficial. I always say, and I always feel that I'm in my like very best fitness of the year coming off of winter. It's like those March races. I always race so well in March, right after the snow's melted. I just got done snowshoeing all winter. I'm, I'm always in just like super good run shape, uh, coming off of snowshoes. So a lot of people kind of do different things over the winter, but I, I still get outside quite a lot and kind of just go in the conditions and, and I, and I think that it really helps uh, once that snow melts. But just, uh, you know, with your racing, you've had, you know, 2019 seems to be a really good year for you. You had a few wins. Obviously, 2020 is a bit kind of buggered. Um, what makes you successful in a race? Hmm. Uh, usually, I kind of banking on a fast run hmm. um, <laughs> to make me successful. But I think also... I, I mean, at this point, I have confidence in my experience, um, just racing for a lot of years, and I have confidence in my body's ability to execute the race, no matter how I feel leading in, and no matter um, kind of what goes on at different points during the race, I still feel as if my body will know what to do, and no matter what happens on the bike, I know that I'll be able to run. And I guess I feel some sort of confidence in that. Is, is your swim still pretty strong? Or, we, we, you know, like obviously you, you feel your bike's maybe lacking a little bit, but you can run strong. Is your swim still pretty strong? I don't know. I mean, I only swim 10K a week, so mm. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it strong. I, I think it's okay for how much time I put into it. I swim maybe three hours a week. Um, it's kind of my max that I have available for that, so... With the time I'm allotting, I think it's fine. Now, one of the great things about um, the PTO website now with all the stats and stuff, we can go on there and find out a lot more about the pros uh, without trying to delve through the internet. I've noticed on there uh, you're becoming a YouTube star. So tell us a little bit about <laughs> your, your YouTube channel. I've got a few questions. The first one is around um, date running and running with your fam family. So how do you kind of do, – do you do a bit of running with your husband and your kids? Yeah, so – when my husband and I first met, we met at a swimming pool and he and I were actually training partners and friends. Um, in the beginning, back in the day, he used to be super fit and used to I be. couldn't even keep up with him. <laughs> well, he can still, he goes on one bike ride a year and still just make sure to drop me on the hill and heckle me and ask me what I even do all day. And um, it's good. It's good for me. He's still, he's still just like a real good natural athlete. So him and I run and you know, he runs, he runs great. So we run together with our dog sometimes after we drop the kids off and yeah, we enjoy doing activities together. And I um, am getting towards the tail end of running with the kids in the stroller cause they're getting big, but man, I really think 2019 both kids, so Skylar, the littlest one was one, and the bigger one was three, and I did almost every run pushing them in the double stroller. Mm. 
Once, once you get and, the momentum I, going with those, they uh, they roll quite nicely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can get your leg speed, yeah. work on the leg speed going down the hills. And, man, I just loved it. So getting on the tail end of that. But One of the other clips that I looked at, you were doing a, uh, a track running session. And uh, it looked oh. like you were having a bit of a rough time and you weren't sort of hitting the times that you wanted to. So what for, for you, when you're having a day like that where things aren't going that well and you're having to sort of fight through, what, what are you sort of doing to, to stay motivated and, and to actually still get some benefit out of the session? Yeah, that particular track session was my first time back on a track since 2019. And, and I hadn't been... Um, getting my body work done or doing anything. So it felt particularly terrible and not good. So yeah, during that, I'm just kind of telling myself things like you got to start somewhere and um, just reminding myself that things don't come that easy. And it's just not, you just can't magically because you want to go to the track and run fast. You have to do all the other stuff too make sure your body's ready to run fast. And, um, and there's kind of uh, a lot that goes, goes into that. So yeah, that, that track session, I should do a follow-up because I had a really good speed session the other day. Um, that particular one was a good little like slap in the bum to say like, all right, get your act together. Cause this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I noticed as well, you're currently ranked 18th on the, on the um, PTO rankings and you're sort of, you're, you're an automatic pick currently for the, the Collins Cup. Um, there's a few other athletes that have got more points, but they haven't raced this year. Is the Collins Cup sort of a priority for you that you're looking at um, should you be selected into that team? Yeah, you know, right when they announced the Collins Cup, it was something that got me actually very excited and motivated um, especially with it being a little bit shorter distance. Now that I'm not an Ironman person, I was thinking, how cool is this? We get to go race, you know, finally there's going to be kind of a showcase event that's not Kona. Mm. You know, I know Kona's cool. Been there, done that. It's just not something I'm interested in anymore. I think it's just a bunch of hype and just not a lot of prize money. And it's mm. just kind of silly for most of the pros honestly um anyhow why do you feel that i think you don't you know if you're not in the top 10 you don't make any money if mm. you're a pro that's mm. just how it is um and you know sponsors lots of times you'll set up a contract that maybe will pay you if you're in the top 20 or whatever which is fine um and I haven't been to Kona in a fitness level where I'm, where I'm able to even compete to be, you know, in the top 10. So maybe it would be different if I went back now as, as somebody who is training a little better and smarter and doing better, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm just not interested in the Ironman distance. So it's just feels different to me now. Mm. Um, but yes, I really want to do Collins Cup, so I hope that I make it. And why is it why is it appealing? Well, if I just think it's cool, I have I have actually only raced one time in Europe, so I would be interested in that. And then obviously, it's got great prize money, and I just I like I like new things. I like different things, and 
um, I just think it would be neat to experience it. Um, and in terms of the ranking system, do you like how they've worked the ranking system? Do you have any sort of criticisms or, or ways you think it could be improved? Um, yeah, in terms of that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say too many bad things because I think the PTO is has our best interest in mind and they're trying and and it's a new system. But I think like most people might feel there there's areas to be improved upon. I think it's not perfect and it's kind of confusing. I think for us to not know what we're, what the standard is that we might be aiming at. And not only that, but if you're winning a race, this is my beef with it. Just looking at how they back scored, you know, races back in 2019, at least two or three of those races, I was winning by over five five to 10 minutes, mm. the chances that you're going as fast as you can and take Ironman Tulsa, for example, with Daniela, she doesn't need the points. It doesn't matter. But the, when you're winning by a significant amount, there's no way. I just don't think you're going as fast as you can because you don't really need to. Yeah. Mm. You're just going. And it's you wise know to you're reserve, isn't it? You've, yeah. You've got the win in the bag. You've got another race probably in a month or less there's no reason to gut yourself. There's just no reason. And, and it's hard for me to, to understand how they went back and assign scores to things when we didn't know that we were being scored based on an overall time. Yeah. And that's such a strange way to, to rank it. But I think it's going to be an evolving system yeah. and hopefully they'll, continue to improve it. Yeah. Nice. Looking good. A couple of random questions. Um, race day nutrition. What's your race morning breakfast? And uh, yeah, what do you have when you're actually out there racing as well? Yeah. I eat the same breakfast almost every single day of my life. I eat uh, English muffin with peanut butter and banana and a coffee or two. Uh, yeah. Every single day, even race morning. And during the race, I have, I do two bottles of the Morton 320 yeah. and on the bike and maybe a couple gels, depending how I'm feeling. I shove them in my pocket and see how I feel. And then on the run, uh, a couple more gels and um, whatever they hand to me, I guess some <laughs> Coke and food <laughs> i don't know i just grab every single cup available usually and just chuck it all at me and see what goes in and yeah i i have like probably two two or three alt reds during the race the last few years that actually does seem to make a difference just 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 you, you don't use a coach and, you, and you're obviously doing well without a coach but is your doubt do you do you sometimes think maybe i should get a coach or do you just kind of you've you've proven success you trust yourself uh, both of those. I do think sometimes that I should get a coach. Um, but then also, I don't know. It just, just the idea of it actually just seems that it might be too much for me. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to follow a program. I've had difficult, I've never been a very easily coached person and I don't know. And then part of me is like, I've made it this far. I'm kind of old. I just want to kind of, kind of do what I want to do and, and just, just let it be, you know? 
Um, another random one I've got just in terms of the technology side of things, what, what sort of tech do you use or do you keep it pretty simple? As you may guess, I keep it pretty simple. Um, I just, <laughs> just if you had a wild guess. Um, so I just started, okay, I got a power meter a long time ago. That is one of the first things that I acquired, but I don't know that I was using it correctly for many, many years. Um, so I, I do have a lot of bike data history in, although, no, I collected a lot of data. I didn't know how to upload it for about four years. So I would just view it <laughs> just like a really good age grouper, you know? Yeah. So I can imagine why the coach hated me. So I did, I didn't upload it. I would just kind of like view it on the fly for what reason. I don't even know. Um, and then just a few years ago, I got a GPS watch. Yeah. So that's been cool. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I raced about eight years off of field, so I think that helped develop, um, helped yeah, me develop. You sound honestly, like you're real safe to... jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, I don't have Facebook. I, for real, I quit yeah. Facebook. I don't need that. So, um, yeah, YouTube you... is a big deal for me because the tech is not my, <laughs> not my favorite. Um, one of the one I've got just around open marathon, you talked about running a, a marathons early, very early on. Um, what do you think you could do for an open marathon time if you train for say six months to get ready for it? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, six months without triathlon training. Yeah. Just runner. You become a runner. Just be a runner. Ah. Oh. I don't know. Um, maybe I just don't know how fast I can be. I have no clue. I'd like to run probably at two forty-five. Ah, uh, you'd be two forty. Two fifty. Two forty, easy. I'm I'm giving you two forty. I have no clue. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Um, I love it. I'll pretend. <laughs> so you plans for the rest of the year? I'm I'm assuming you might be looking to peak for seventy point three worlds in St George. Um, what have you? Assuming we the rest of the year goes somewhat normally, um, what's it, what's it looking like for you? Uh, well, I'm going to do Des Moines this weekend. Mm. Um, I'm not sure when this I'll come out on this podcast, but I'm yep. doing Des Moines and then. Collins Cup, hopefully, and then Worlds. Mm. And then I will likely have a little break. Mm. And then it will be Challenge, whatever Challenge rebranded as, Clash. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm yeah. not sure about that. I haven't watched any of their promo or whatever stuff, but Clash, Daytona. I really enjoyed that race. And I, I really like the racing on the racetrack. I think it's really fun. I love doing a lot of laps. It appeals to my brain somehow. So, so I want to go do, do the racetrack races. Sounds good. Now, anything you want to promote? Yeah. Um, yeah we've got, given your YouTube uh, channel a nice little plug there. I know you do some <laughs> events as well. And also your husband does uh, King Salmon fishing on Lake Michigan, I think it is. So, so anything you want to get out there? Okay. Yeah. I mean, those, those are pretty much the things. Um, I put on an open water swim race in Southern Wisconsin. It's real good, real good training for people who are doing Ironman Wisconsin. We do one, um, on the Ironman Wisconsin course in early June. We just had it. Um, yeah, 
that's pretty much it. I'm on Instagram, Strava, and now YouTube. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Your name always seems to pop up in the, in the results. So I was keen to get you on because uh, time and time again, it keeps coming up and I see you smoking those run splits. You talked about that. So impressive so far. So thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of this year. And we've got our fingers crossed for you for Collins Cup. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Thank you very much. Jombo, your thoughts. Um, one thing that Jackie mentioned there that I don't think we've actually mentioned on the show is the sort of rebranding of Challenge in North yeah. America. So what's all this about? And it did come out a while ago, and I just thought, that's a bit weird. Uh, it's now going to be called Clash. So and it's not going to be Challenge Miami or Challenge North America or Challenge Daytona. It's going to be Clash. Clash Triathlon. Clash Daytona. Yeah. Is that a good name? If may if they think it resonates better with the American audience and it's going to get more people racing, that, that guy who changed the world triathlon got another million bucks. Great, for his name. I think he was going around going. Let's yeah, see no, how many people million. I can dupe around the world. Clash, clash. What's the connection to triathlon? Clash. Challenge comes from the fact. So if you don't know the story, the reason it's called challenge is because um, the people who started challenge owned Rote, which was the big German race in forever, and it was, it was Ironman Germany, and then in the nineties. Maybe late 90s? It's either late 90s or early 2000s. They went on their own. They left time and they thought, we've got a big race. Why do we have to pay all these fees and that? And so they went on their own and they started the challenge race. So at first it was just one race. And then they've expanded and created this really good business and do really great work. Um, but it's just interesting they've changed their name. And interesting if Clash is yeah, a good name. Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't done any races in North America. Um, it, to me, it seemed like you got some momentum going, um, but ultimately the challenge model is very different to Ironman. You've got you know um, race organisers that are organising their races. Challenge don't organise the events like Ironman actually. They pay like do. a licensing fee, don't they? So still? you pay yeah. Yeah, licensing and things like that. So there's, um, yeah. which was weird because when it was Challenge Wanaka, and um, we know they still had the full. It was Challenge Wanaka for the full, but the half was called the Great Lakes or whatever it was. Mm. And as a commentator, I was always confused. <laughs> and I'd be going, here comes the winner of this, uh, the challenge, Wanaka Half. And I go, oh, no, 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 it's a great, oh, it's a great, oh, it's all over yeah. the place. So yeah. Anyway, it's going to be interesting. Uh, whatever happens, I just hope they're successful. But it does make it a bit confusing at an international level when it's a challenge race, but it's not really a challenge race. One other thing about Jackie's interview, A, she was a, cool, she was a really cool interview, but B, um, the points... It is first year, and uh, you are going to get someone to talk about it. Mm. Um, Tim Henning sent through, Henning sent through uh, an article he wrote about it yep. as well. Um, and it was his article was balanced. It's got some good points, and it's got some things that need to be improved. And and they they know that, and we get that's what we're going. And it's and it's year one. Yeah, you know, like they will improve. You know, mm. and yeah. So it's very, but, I've been thinking about it. It's so hard to get it right. You'd think it's simple, but it's but not. it's pretty important as well. Mm. Because if you get that phone, you're going to make some money. And if you, as Jackie said, if you were running away at first, what's the incentive to keep going? But then, at the same token, if you go to some other points system, like say World Triathlon, I think that's purely a points-based system. And you mean results-based? Uh, it's like a numbers-based. Like you might get a thousand points for first, yep. nine hundred and fifty for second, and so on. If you do that at every event then you might have a really weak field and somebody will get a thousand points and they've really had a pretty shitty performance yeah so hard to get it right so i think they're getting more things right and they're getting wrong um 
but yeah, very, very hard to get a ranking system, especially when you think how many races are there around the world that they do, and that was one of my questions to the PTO, actually, how many races are they counting? They're doing all the challenge races, all the 70.3s, all the Ironman races, any other independent races. It's not like golf where you might have, you've got the same people race, you know, playing every week. Yeah. It's just so diversified. But that's a challenge for them because that will never happen in our sport mm. either. So, so we're on to it. John's getting an interview sorted out about that pretty soon. Uh, I'll put a link to her YouTube channel. Yes, she's loving yes. it. It's new. Okay. Let's go winner of the week. Okay, John, I'm going to say, I'm going to go number two. Oh, well, oh no, you want a you number? Well, how many... Runs did we beat? How many runs did England get in their second innings? Or how many runs did we need to get? Wasn't it 37 or something? Yeah, 30, okay, yeah, because we beat the Poms at home, John. Cricket. And I'm saying to John, John, New Zealand cricket's never been better. New Zealand cricket, though, for me, is like Patrick Langer and <laughs> Ironman in Hawaii. I'm never picking them. And then they come through. So I'm just keep going. But you, A, you're a fourth, you don't pick them at home nowadays. Mm, oh, at home, different story. But they can't be beaten at home. Well, say that now, but. Um, but we, we were the first team to beat Pakistan mm-hmm. overseas. Been to Poms overseas. The big test would be go to. We got, unfortunately, the bloody Australians pulled our pants down. Mm. That was the most disappointing. That was so, because I was like, we're going to I think right. we jumped ahead. So we beat the English uh, cricket last week in a five day match where there was actually a result. The one before that was a draw. They played for four days, there was no result. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was because of the weather. weather. Yeah. But in the final, they have an, an extra day. If it's needed. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a there's a, a lay day um, if it's so. And we're playing India in a neutral so the, territory. Coming up soon, team. We've got the World Test Championship final. So we're actually ranked number one in the world right now. Isn't it like this weekend? Isn't it? Yeah, it starts on Friday. Yeah, I'm having some late nights. I reckon we're going to crush them. Yeah, I think we've got the advantage. Like if it was in India, no, no chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, although the Indians are pretty bloody good. Yeah. So, so what was the number we're going for? Uh, 30, I think 37. I think that's how many runs we needed to win. Jonathan Curry. Jonathan Curry did 16 hours and 10 minutes of training. Nice balanced week by Jonathan. Uh, 13 activities, swam 3 hours 33 minutes, rode 8 hours 44, and ran 3 hours and 52 for be 37th on our rankings. From the UK? His, uh, from Dublin, not from the UK. From Dublin in Ireland. He's Team Watts. At by what's up, oh. he looks like he. I wonder if he's qualified for Hawaii because his his profile picture in Strava. Sorry, who did you go for? I think we've gone for different people. I may have gone from this week. I said Jonathan Curry. No, I'm going for <laughs> Killian Moffat from okay. Team WhatsApp. <laughs> okay, I'll do Jonathan Curry. Yeah, he's from England, UK. Yeah, yep. And he's um, 39 activities. He looks like a lovely person because he's got a big smile on his face all the time. He's got photos of another training partner or somebody in his life. Um, He's, yep, he's... Uh, he's well, K- Killian Moffat, Team WhatsApp. He's from Dublin, Ireland. And he's, his profile picture, he's got some uh, a lay around his neck. So he's obviously, I'm assuming, off in Hawaii or the Pacific Islands somewhere, maybe Hawaii. Uh, and he's been nice and consistent since January this year. Pretty lean run uh, through peak COVID period last year, July, August, September. Not a great deal of activity. October made a bit of a comeback. Dropped back off November, but since then, been nice and consistent. Uh, he's been, last four weeks, averaging four rides per week. He's been averaging 54 kilometres running from four runs and been averaging four swims a week. Nice Well, work. Jonathan Curry, he's been really consistent. He did have a bit of time off in November, but consistently delivering on his training. So, love your work, Jonathan Curry. And? You are our? What was your guy's name? Uh, Killian Moffat. You are our wingers of the week. Our questions and answers. So first of all, good old Ed, 
Who's was. our designer? Yep. He's uh, he looks after. So John John gets always gets cool gear for his epic camps for everything he does. He always has really cool gear. And so recently for my business, we we're trying to get some t-shirts made, and I said, "Who does your gear?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Ed." Yep. He sent me Ed's details, and he's designed our tops for runners and. Awesome. Like we couldn't have hoped for better. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. And Ed's Ed's a bit of a rolling stone when it comes to lifestyle, isn't he? Yes. He just he's living the dream. Mm-hmm. He basically doesn't really work much. Well, he, he builds mountain bike tracks in summer and then lives the dream. And then gets in the caravan so and does ski stuff in winter or snowboarding stuff in winter. So he, he's living the dream. So I thought, well, while I'm living the dream, and because you boys have inspired me to design some stuff, I've started my own Red Bubble account, which is basically where you can get your own stuff made into T-shirts and stuff like that. And he's got some T-shirts that he's designed, which are all triathlon-based, very cheap. Yeah. And uh, you can go check him out. And I'll probably one, to it. one last ride. If you want to follow him on Instagram or if you want to follow, go and look at their page. It's onelastride.redbubble.com. Uh, and they're on Instagram at one number one dot last dot ride. Yeah, swim bike run. Mm. Uh, tell you what, stripe boards look pretty cool. So yeah, I'm sure we'll add more to it. If you're just looking to have a nice kind of gear with a bit of a triathlon focus, you can check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, also, we've got a question here from Dalian uh, Evanson. Uh, he's just asking about the Magic Five goggles. So that if you if you're on Facebook, all you see is Fredino sitting in a bloody tube in a swimming pool and a pair of togs and with his goggles on smiling at you i'm sick of seeing that ad well it's, it doesn't mean everyone sees that john because yeah. it's the algorithm right it means you've obviously clicked on it at some I've stage clicked on it well oh well, we'll probably knows you like triathlon yeah they know everything john they know everything uh and he's just got has anyone used the magic five goggles and they're supposed to be perfectly formed for your face do they work are they worth the money now we looked at them for a set of three, you're paying about 170. Is that US? I think it was, no, it was 215 New Zealand for a set okay. of three. So, so was that about about 70 bucks a pair? Mm. Um, what do you pay for goggles? Less than that, uh, yeah, 30, maybe 40. So is it worth paying twice as much mm. to get? Never saw them. Don't know. So uh, we just want to we want to know. So if you can let us know, flick us an email. It's iontalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you got your swim set. Swim set this morning. Had a good one. Uh, 300 meter warm up. Two times one uh, is a three point two k swim. Three hundred warm up, two times one hundred IM. Always, almost always include a bit of IM in the start of the warm up just to get the old arms uh, winding in different directions. Six fifties bands only, so you wrap a band around your ankles so you can't kick. Some people really, really struggle with this. And then our first little main set was three times through, four hundred meters steady, and then followed by four twenty fives sprints. Important when you do the sprints. Well, it kind of depends what your focus is. But generally when you do the sprints, you want to have a good amount of rest so you can actually put some welly into it and uh, get some quality speed going. So we were probably having a good sort of 20 to 25 seconds rest between each sprint. So we did that three times through. So 400 steady, 425 sprints. 400 steady, 425 sprints. 400 steady, 425 sprints. Um, Just to ease off a little bit, 100 metres IM, nice and easy. Again, just a little bit of backstroke and breaststroke, just to ease off. And the final set is one I like doing, is we did a set of nine times 100. Uh, We did three on the 135, so it's three on one minute 35, so that means you're leaving every 135. Three on 130, and then three on 125. So you've got to get progressively quicker 
and you're getting less and less rest. Okay. So for me at the moment, you know, for me to swim um, under one minute twenty for a hundred is pushing it pretty hard, pushing fairly hard. Okay. Uh, so I really like that set. So the last three, you're really under the pump to make the time, get your head up, get a few seconds rest, and go. So I was probably coming in on like one nineteens or something like that, and then getting you know five to six seconds rest and having to push off and, and put a big bit of effort. So a bit of scoreboard pressure. 200 metres warm down, and that was 3.2 k's. Nice work, love your work. Uh, Jombo, let's say thank you to the patrons. Shane, the trend setter, Reeves. We've got Natalie, the energy source, Smith. Uh, Steve, freaky son of a gun, Chamberlain Ward. And then we've got uh, Lawrence, the phantom house. If you want to become a patron, go to me on the page. You go through the process, you become patron, you get a gift, you support the boys, and that's what that's all about. Thank you for the people who already are patrons. We want to get show emailed to you, same page, just down the bottom of the front page, the home page put your information through for coaching coachjohnson.com for my podcast Bevan James I'll show I've got a good interview coming up not yet but in a couple of weeks from now I have a guy who's written a book called Mental Fitness mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed it Dr Paul Ward um, and then uh, age group of call websites other feedback you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com John it's coming over isn't it fog's coming back over Bevan it's coming over John what you got um, wait, wait a second you did a race with your boy in it I saw the photo you made sure you put your photo with you leading the race oh this was a five kilometre running race yeah with the boy behind you yeah how long is it before he can beat you we've had this discussion before He's, I know I'm, but I'm hanging out till 50 how old are you now 40, what am I this year? 40, be 44, 45 this year. You're older than me, are you? Yeah. 45 So you reckon, year. and how old is Thomas? Uh, 14. Nine, oh, I, reckon <laughs> I reckon you're holding it, it's going to be close. Yeah, he's, I've definitely still got a few more years on him. How, how much are you betting him by? Um, so what did I do in that run? It was five, you say it was in your face when you're driving home? Sorry? Do you say in your face no, when you're driving We normally home? don't do the same distance. So what did he do for that park run the other day? He actually wasn't that far behind the park run. I had a terrible run. Uh, so I'd say over 5K, he is probably still a, he had a good park run. Uh, he did about 19 oh, and a half. Yeah. Uh, and you're about 17 and a half? Yeah, so he's still a couple of minutes behind. Yeah, but he's only 14. Yeah, well, he, well, he gets his pubes in the next few years. Mate, he is fully pubed <laughs> up. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it's like, duh. When your kids grow up, it's like, I remember, I, remember this is, I remember Tyler, which is about 14. We just play fighting one day and I accidentally saw up her pants and, her, and I just saw pubes. It wasn't like it was nothing. And I was just, it's, oh no! <laughs> I was just offended. Oh, jeepers, the joys of being a parent. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's your goss? Uh, so what's my goss? So yeah, we've had a couple of running races lately. Man, it's white out conditions out there. We're, yeah. You're getting regular re- weather reports here. I've uh, had a couple of running races, slowly starting to make some progress on the running front, which is good. Did a bit of car- Tom turned 14 on Friday last week. Wow. So we went kart racing with uh, the Philinator and his son and the four of us went. Okay, who won that? Well, <laughs> Phil, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Why? Is he a good driver? Uh, Phil's, he races on a daily basis. <laughs> Don't you, Phil? Mean? He's a, he's a speed driver. A <laughs> speed driver, is he? A uh, speed driver. I drove in Australia with my mum. I'd hate to live, be my, my dad. <laughs> the whole time she's telling you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. You can't do it fast. No, I'm not. Just doing my head. Did a bit of that. And outside of that, Bevan? Are you a good, are you a good driver? Like, in, like Phil, Phil won. Yeah. But how close was it? Uh, he had a good second on me. Yeah, which is oh. quite a bit on it. it was 20, I was doing 24. Five second laps, he was doing 24s or something like that. Oh, okay. Which is quite a bit. So Where did you do that? Indoor kart racing. Down in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Good. 
it's um, it's good. When you when we first got there, there was only four of us for our first. We had two ten minute sessions. How much that cost? It's not cheap. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so it was a birthday treat. Uh, it's like sixty bucks to get two two for two, two runs of ten minutes. And does it go too quick? Uh, the, when you're by yourself, and there was four of us, so we had three laps. You're just gunning it every single lap. I was. I wanted to get out after ten minutes. Oh, okay, okay. But the so second right. time, there was other people that got on with us, and then you have a few laps where you can't get past, and you just got to cruise, and that's okay. But when you're gunning it for ten minutes, that was um, quite hard work. Okay. Okay. So that was my uh, adventurous last week or so, Bevan. What about you? Hit the Kaiteri Beach. Well, not really. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did a walk along the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did the walk. We did the walk over to Little Kaiteri. Yeah. Did that back? That's quite a small walk. Yeah. Did Abel Tasman? I tell you what, we were spoiled with the weather. You didn't? Did you not do my recommended walks? No, because we were only there for two days. We basically got there one night and had dinner because mm-hmm. we kind of left wherever we were staying first. And then the next day we did. We caught the boat and we did half the Abel Tasman track in one day. Mm-hmm. So we did about. I was actually only five hours walking, but um, and then we left the next day. So it was it was a pretty short trip to Kaiteri at least. Um, but tell you what, if, if you ever come to New Zealand, you've got to do that part of the world. It's great. Paradise, man. Mm. Abel Tasman. Oh, so beautiful. Um, and we were very lucky with the weather. Then went to Hamner, played chip and, chip and putt golf. I tell you, sorry to interrupt, but I just saw something that it keeps me entertained. I had a coaching session last night yeah. uh, and we were running up and down the, basically the road next to where I live. Not, yeah. not my road. Convenient, close, close to your yeah. house. And... Uh, and it was pretty it was dark, and it was the lighting on that road was not particularly good. It was a little bit of running happening on the road. Got home, and the old local Facebook community page oh. was going off. Belinda was getting, she wasn't getting it, but she goes, "Have you seen this?" And uh, some of the locals were complaining. So what? Because you're running running on, on the, the road. road yeah. What if you're running the footpath? Are they okay? Well, they're okay, but it was so dark you couldn't really see what you were doing on the footpath. We do hill repeats, epic, which starts soon. We get like a hundred people there on Hackthorn Road. On well, I was going to dob you, and I was going to say that's it. Running runners, <laughs> extra mile runners, check them out. <laughs> Dirty dog. Yeah. Um, so sorry, Ben, I was interrupting you. Uh, so play chip and are you any good at golf? It's a pretty uh, compared to someone who doesn't play. I'm I'm amazing. Compared to somebody who plays golf, I'm rubbish. Uh. If I play a round of golf. Uh, which I do probably once every five years. Yeah. Uh, if I get one or maybe two pars, I am pumped. Well, in chip and chip and chip and putt. Yep. Which is you chip it and you putt it. Mm-hmm. Actually, and have you done it, Hamner? No. I highly recommend. Is that not twenty bucks? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's better than just mini golf because mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know you're proper clubs. You actually yep. you know you got to do some chipping. I got a birdie, John. Birdie. Nice and and three pars. Yeah, Middle I got in the water about ten times. Yeah, so my overall score sucked, but I, my birdie I was pretty happy with. Yeah, um, Middle I don't think it's an official birdie, but I'll, t- I'll take it. Um, I have got bad news. Mm-hmm. My bulging just came back. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, so I might have. I need another operation. Oh yeah, that sucks. It does suck because I was saying my back wasn't getting any better. So I went to the surgeon. And he said, "Oh, let's get another scan. Show me scan one from the first time. Show me scan two. Look exactly the same. Oh, no. I'm not as much pain as what I was last time, but unfortunately it means I probably have to... He's going to give it two months to see if it gets better, but it's probably like they're going to need another operation. Dear so, me. Second half of this year. Mm. Back on ACC. Back on ACC. <laughs> so other than that, John, um, did you watch the rugby? The no. Canterbury game? No, I haven't watched any rugby lately. Oh, okay, well, we won't talk about that because that was pretty interesting. Other than that, John, that's pretty much it. Let's, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. Iron Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. kaha.